Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic from the UK. And me, Kim, a Eurovision fanatic from Canada. Today is a bonus bonus episode, so we're not we're not doing one of our usual bonus episodes, just of the DNQ files. We are focusing on something that's usually the sort of post-main podcast chat of our podcast. We're going to be talking about Drag Race, but Drag Race UK, because the latest episode to air in the UK was the Ruru Vision Song Contest. So they, they did a whole episode that was centred and themed around the Eurovision Song Contest and parodying it. And we have some things that we need to discuss, I think. Yes, for sure. This is our two uh, great loves combined, Drag Race and Eurovision. So we would be remiss if we did not seize this opportunity to do this special. So I'm really excited to talk about it. I am very excited to hear your thoughts because I know you have some, Chris. Oh, I have opinions. And, and <laughs> we, we're going to be discussing them. But as well, for Drag Race fans, we have a wonderful special featurette within this podcast because... Uh, just yesterday, I had a discussion and a chat with Ginny Lemon over Zoom um, about Drag Race and Eurovision and Eurovision in their life because Ginny is a massive Eurovision fan. This is bonkers. Chris. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when it happened. You guys, this was so legit, too. I mean, like, OK, I feel Chris, you have elevated this podcast. We are like we're we're like journalists now. <laughs> this is, I'm a broadcast journalist, darling. That's right. This is next level, darling. Um, yeah, I mean, like this was like um, scheduling with the BBC and advanced <gasps> viewing of the new drag race episode and like this was so legit and chris you had a great conversation with Ginny. i can't wait for their, our listeners to hear it i know it was so exciting because i sent the email to Ginny thinking it'll get ignored it'll just but at least i can say i've tried yeah and Ginny said a reply saying yeah i'm up for that get in touch with these uh good folk at the bbc we, we arranged it unfortunately um kim you couldn't make it because Ginny's availability was 10 a.m uk time right <laughs> so middle of the night for you so yeah. it was just me and Ginny. Yes, I'm sorry to have missed it, but I'm so happy you got the opportunity to speak with Ginny. And and such a huge thank you to Ginny Lemon for taking the time out to um, to chat with, you know, a, a relatively small podcast, but like up and coming, I must say. I think so. Yeah. Thank you, Ginny. Um, I will forever truly fancy a slice. <laughs> so that is going to be amazing and then of course we have this episode to discuss uh as well as a uh queens in lockdown episode so there's a lot of drag race to chat about today indeed there is that's why we're dedicating a special episode to it um and you know i've got to say i do have some strong opinions about this whole revision episode I, I wonder if my love of Eurovision made me get my hopes up too much. I had a feeling that that might have been your reaction. I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed, too. I thought it was an entertaining episode. I was um, 
you know, I was entertained as I always am watching Drag Race, but it was a little less um, of the Eurovision delightfulness that I was hoping for. So why don't we get into that? Let's chat about the episode. So tell us um, a little bit more about um, your impressions. It was um, a good dramatic way to start the episode with them sort of coming back from, with them coming back from Ginny's self-elimination and them sort of having the argument, um, Veronica Green saying, you know, uh, you know, stop discounting me. I'm here. I am a threat. Yeah. And then uh, Tia Coffee's about to say something and they get interrupted by the siren and they're told, you're all going home for a few weeks because the UK is going into lockdown. We need to cease pr- um, production of the show. A few weeks turns into seven months, yeah. <laughs> so seven months later, the Queen's return with um, some new faces. <laughs> I mean, not new Queens, but literal new faces on their own face. Oh, I know. Those seven months were uh, definitely used to, you know, like refine their looks, to prepare for the inevitable comeback and to get some work done i mean yeah not nothing wrong with that <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's in, I, I do feel it's interesting that some people were able to get cosmetic surgery during that period of lockdown um is it in the spirit of lockdown measures maybe not but if you could get it i guess if it was legal at the time obviously you know <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what procedures they had done, but I think there was probably some Botox and fillers uh, in there. And I mean, I don't know um, about the, you know, the very strictest time of lockdown. I doubt they were able to to do anything like that. But once things opened up at le- um, a little bit in my area, at least you were allowed to get some spa services done. Um, and they yeah. the um, the, you know, the Botox and fillers uh, would be like a cosmetic um, spa service slash medical service. So uh, I, I do know that that was allowed around here. So I guess maybe if if proper yeah. precautions were taken. I agree. I, 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 you're right there. Um, it just kind of, I think we'll come to it a bit later because uh, there's other sort of issues about the, what was done during that time of lockdown to definitely discuss later on. Um, unfortunately, Veronica Green had to leave the competition uh, because they had a positive COVID um, test two days before they started filming. Yeah, I was disappointed about this. Um, although I, I, I do feel like uh, you know there was a bit of tension between her and the other queens. I think that uh, it was really because she was becoming an up and coming threat, and I thought her looks in particular were getting stronger and stronger. And um, you know, I she wasn't my favorite uh, queen. You know, like she wasn't the top 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 favorite for me, but I do think that she was a great competitor, and I would have liked to have seen her continue. So that was disappointing. But of course with her having gone home it opened up a slot for someone to come back indeed so um three of the eliminated um performers so uh joe black cherry valentine and Estina mandela all came into the workroom in animal costumes um, yeah that's right <laughs> and the rest of the rest of the uh, cast got to choose one of them uh via a, a, a vote they got to vote on who they want to come back which lipstick would you have written on the mirror if it were you I would have written Joe because he was my original pick to probably win. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> he is gone again. So um, 
I would probably get written Joe because I would have wanted to see what else they could do. I didn't really like the fact that Cherry Valentine used, you know, the I, right. This is not shade on the fact that Cherry Valentine is working in in the NHS in healthcare during lockdown. I don't mean it as this sounds harsh to say, but it felt like they were using the fact that they've been working on the NHS front line as a reason why they should come back to the contest, not because of their drag. Right. It felt a bit of a pull at the heartstrings, a bit emotionally manipulative, maybe? I mean, I'm like, I, I agree. I think that you're probably right. And yeah, I don't really blame her. I mean, use what you've got at your disposal, <laughs> right? Um, but I agree. I would have put Joe's name as well if it were me. I was very excited to see Joe come back. Unfortunately, I don't think um, that... Drag Race is the right competition for Joe. And so it wasn't a coincidence that um, that Joe went home so early. And then looking at some of the drag that Joe does uh, outside of Drag Race, which we saw little glimpses of in the lockdown episode, like that was really great. I mean, I got a taste of of what Joe brings to the table when it's not in a drag race competition. And I I just thought that it was so much sort of better and more natural. So I'm definitely a fan, but I do not think that it was the wrong decision uh, to send him home. I think the best drag competition for Joe would be to go over to America and do Camp Wanakiki. Have you ever seen Camp Wanakiki? No. It's brilliant. So it's based around um, uh, summer camp in America. So, and it's all camp queens. Oh, I love that. So, Joe Black is like old school kind of vaudevillian kind of camp. Vaudeville, yes, exactly. I reckon Joe would be a natural on that. Uh, so, I think it would be great to get Joe over to America to do Camp on a Kiki. That, that series is all on YouTube. Um, I don't know, you've seen Drag Race have featured Hamburger Marys Mm-mm. a few times. They've been involved in a couple of challenges in the past. Okay. And it's where a lot of queens perform around America. It's like this chain of drag burger restaurants. Oh, that sounds fun. I know. I really want to go to one. <laughs> I really want to go to one, but uh, travel ain't happening at the moment. No, it's not. time soon for me. <laughs> no, it is not. Um, but when I go to America, I want to make sure I go to a place in America where there's a Hamburger Mary's to visit. Like, you know, getting your burger served to you by a drag performer. Yeah. Like a whole drag show happening. That sounds brilliant. Yes. But uh, Camp Wanakiki is hosted by the Sugar Baker twins, who are actual twin brothers who do drag. Huh. Um, and they own the chain, Hamburger Mary's. I will have to check that out for sure. Yes. But yeah, I agree. I mean, that sounds like something that would be much more Joe Black-esque than, you know, than what we saw in this Eurovision episode. Yes. Uh, so... Onto the Eurovisioniness-ness-ness-ness. Yes. Or lack of. Because, I mean, so, so very little of it felt Eurovision at all. I agree. I mean, I had such a burst of delight when I heard the Eurovision theme song. And, you know, I was like, I was just really ready for it. I was really excited. But then what they delivered was very... um you know, in keeping with just any old group song contest or like um, competition. I don't know. They do those all the time. It felt the same. It's always the same. I mean, 
Break Up Bye Bye was a standout track for the Drag Race franchise. That song was legitimately surprisingly good. It was a little bit different to what's been done before, but we've just gone back to drag queens coming on, introducing themselves yeah. through rap slash spoken word, a little bit of singing. Yes. I'm over drag queens introducing themselves to songs. Yeah. Yeah. Come out and just sing a song. I agree. And the, I mean, the other thing that I was quite disappointed um, in is that both teams did the exact same song. I would have like, obviously they did their own verses in each, but I would have liked for the two. I mean, it was boring, quite frankly, to watch the same song twice back to back. I would have liked to see something different. I legitimately thought that song went over three minutes. I was like, well, that couldn't be used in Eurovision anyway. It's over three minutes. No, <laughs> two minutes, 45. It just felt like five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. I do think, I mean, in terms of the judging, I agree that um, Lawrence Cheney's, um team was the better of the two. Like, I, I was quite in line with the judging in this uh, in this episode, though, I mean, like, I probably wouldn't have delivered it quite so harshly um but yeah so but it didn't feel eurovision-esque to me so it was like it was a title and that's it do you know what the music sounded like to me what it sounded like music from lazy town i don't know what that is it's a kid's show and it's all very hyper kind of um bouncy kind of like blink 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 kind of sound effects Right. It's the only way I can describe it. And that's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like kids show music. It didn't sound like Eurovision. I mean, I actually feel like the song, the music itself did feel, you know, a little bit Eurovision to me. You know, I think the beat of the song I could have pictured in Eurovision. But I agree that I'm kind of done with the drag queens all doing a verse that's just introducing themselves. But then also the performances themselves didn't feel Eurovision. I mean, like, bring a wind machine in, please. It's just, you know, something that makes it feel like it's Eurovision um, in more than just name and then doing the same thing they always do anyway. So, you're, I mean, like, I feel like if there are people out there who aren't quite as, like, into into Eurovision and like deeply immersed in Eurovision as we are uh, while we're podcasting about it, they might think we're being nitpicky here. But that's how I felt. That's how I felt. <laughs> we are being nitpicky. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but like, I mean, would it have been too much to ask for the producers to watch Love, Love, Peace, Peace and then gone, just note like three or four of the ideas that are in that. Right. And just shoehorn it into the song. Like bacon anything. Into the performance. They could have had the um Brit crew come out shirtless and banging drums. And that would Exactly. Been, you know, like that would have been amazing. And then the other thing for me, like getting away from like the Eurovision tropes that were lacking, is that um the judging being like really harsh and really kind of mean. I don't know. It was just like I wanted this episode to be this delightful pick me up, and the whole vibe was kind of like ugh, like wah wah. It really was. Yeah. It really was like so so we're talking about the judging. Um I mean Rue snapped at Joe Black. Yeah. Joe for for wearing a dress that they got from HM. Now Joe got three weeks notice that he might be returning to Drag Race if there was a chance. So basically they were sort of put on, um, what's the word? Um, they, they were on a reserve list. Mm. Should any of the queens test positive for COVID, 
they would bring them back as needs be. Right. So obviously one queen tested positive positive for COVID. So they uh, brought them in for that sort of free that that vote mini challenge to bring one of them back. But Joe, before because Joe, this is one of the things that was covered in the um, Queens on lockdown episode, was that during that lockdown period they weren't making money other than sister sister who put a job office an office job on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie Diamond who went worked back to working at a burger restaurant totally not mcdonald's just a burger restaurant yeah and um and also uh cherry valentine who was working as a as a nurse others where you know they had to claim benefits they had to sign on they were told to get proper jobs joe black had to sell a lot of his drag that he'd got purchased for the contest to pay for his rent i did not know that and then he had three weeks notice and then, so he's got three weeks' notice to get together some more costumes. And then they expect Joe to rhinestone and glitter every single off-the-shelf costume he's caught, bought at, you know, last minute's notice. Yeah. Plus dealing with the fact that, you know, stressing about where his next paycheck's going to, his next rent pay's going to come from. Right. Same for all the queens. We saw that Veronica, even though she didn't come back, they went into a full depression. They didn't leave their house for 12 weeks. Yeah. Barely leaving their bedroom. Right. And, at no and, point when you're feeling like that, are you going to be upping your game, rhinestoning little bits onto your dress? Right. You're not going to be doing that. You. The only thing that kept me going through lockdown, really, is this podcast. That's what kept me going through because I had so much to look forward to every week. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, just, I agree. I, I, I think that that... Um, I, I think that the criticism was unfair, and particularly because we talked about this earlier in the season that Astina, she wore a jacket from ASOS. ASOS. Right. And so off the rack can be done and it can be done well. And it um, has been praised by these very same judges in the past. So if you want to read Joe for um, not being aligned with the rest of her teammates and so like it felt disconnected fair if you want to say that um you know like the the outfit itself felt basic and that she could have added a little extra zhuzh i mean fair but um to give the feedback that anything off the rack is unacceptable i think is not only unfair it's not only kind of um you know, not reading the room in terms of the times we're living in and the soci- the the economic status of many people living in this lockdown, but it's also not in keeping with their very own judging this very same season. So I agree. It's, I don't. I don't. I didn't love it. I didn't love a lot of the the feedback. I don't like. <laughs> I I don't know if you have um picked this up in our conversation so far, but I'm adverse to conflict i don't like conflict (laughs) um i am very you know for expressing an opinion just like in a way that is constructive and um i also thought the uh exchange with tia coffee was not constructive like if you don't like what does regional mean I, I guess like basic. That's just another way of saying basic. And they're like, you're international now. You know, you need to like step it up. Frankly, I thought that was a big step up from where Tia Coffee was earlier in the season. I thought she looked beautiful. Um, yeah. And then much better than that, that green dress. 
Right. And then when when Tia is like, I'll do better. And she's like, you've already said that. You've already said that. And I mean, like, what what are you what do you want her to say? What else can she say here right now? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I get that um, Rue has high expectations and wants to elevate the queens. And I do think that she does a very good job of that. You can see it in the progression of the quality of drag throughout every season that there is growth um, in, in the queens and like they, they get better as a result of being on this contest and receiving the judges that they get. And so like, I, I think that there is a lot of constructive criticism to be had and that they give a lot of great feedback, but I just didn't love uh, this one. I didn't love it. No, and the last last bear in mind, the last time they got some constructive feedback was seven months beforehand. Right, like what a way to come back. Like when I do feel like Rue realized that she was kind of being unreasonable when she came back and then said like mama rue's been in quarantine and that might have played into it i mean like we like everybody's been in quarantine rue so it's not an excuse but like i do think that she realized like woof like that was harsh i I doubt rue was staying in a travel lodge oh god yeah i'm sure rue was staying in like a four star (laughs) five star hotel yes that was actually something that i really noticed when watching the lockdown episode with the queens is that like in in Canada, this isn't this isn't the case in all areas of Canada. Of course, we have urban centers, but generally, in speaking in Canada, we have a relatively low population for the amount of space we have. Like, there's a lot of land in Canada with a, with all not that all that many people. So, like, people have a lot of space to you know go outside and you know big yards and stuff like that. And it really kind of made me uh, appreciate that. Um, um, because not everyone has the kind of space to move around and, you know, like the queens, they they didn't all have like a, a I don't know, a, a spacious mansion like RuPaul, like to, you know, to spend lockdown in. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I I came out of that Ruru vision on a real downer. Mm. Um, there was the... Obviously, the obvious issue with Rue being overly harsh in the critiques, but but mainly for me as a as a Eurovision lover and obsessive someone who loves Eurovision, just so many missed opportunities. Uh, I mean, we've only sort of scratched the top of the iceberg. I mean, they didn't even sort of judge it. You know, they could have said Graham Norton, one of the judges, is our announcer for the Eurovision Song Contest. He does the um, commentary. Yeah, and yes, he did his sort of Graham Norton voice, which is his voice. I liked the postcards. That I did like. That felt like a Eurovision postcard. Obviously, I agree. you could only do so much with green screen. Yeah. But the music in the background of the postcard was, oh, chef's kiss. They really got that atmosphere on the postcard perfect. Yeah. Credit where it's due. And also credit to Tia Coffee's dress. Tia Coffee looked like uh, they were doing like a 1968, 1969 Eurovision song contest. Right. In that uh, dress. That was perfect. Um, But like... Was it too much to ask for him to say, you know, douze poids at some point? Or even null poids, which I would accept, even though it's not said in Eurovision. Everyone thinks that null poids is something that's said in Eurovision, but it's not because they say points from 1 through to 12. Right. Uh, they don't say when a, somebody's got zero points. Yeah. It's just not addressed. Yeah, I agree. 
the like a lot of missed opportunities. I mean, they really, you know, aside from the theme song and you're right, the postcards was like a, a fun, cheeky nod. Um, yeah. But I mean, yeah, otherwise it it really didn't feel like they did anything Eurovision-esque at all. Um, I, you know, like I found it to be like, I, I okay, I did like um, the U, uh, is it the UK Dolls? UK King Dolls. Oh, United King Dolls, right. No, United King, yeah, United King Dolls, that was it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did like their performance, um, but uh, like, I don't know, is this being, me being like uh, a stickler? But it was like super sexualized and like Eurovision, it's, you know, it's a family affair, you know? like. <laughs> I mean, it's a family affair, but, you know, uh, the uh, butter churning... <laughs> Oh God, you're right. That was very sexualized. And then, why was there no butter churning? Why, yes. I would have done something about that. So that's I'm, how quickly uh, I forget about the naked wolf hologram. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, Eurovision I'm, has some uh, has some sexy bits too. Oh yeah, I, there was a I whole bondage thing. Okay, Kim, you oh, know yeah. what? You're wrong. You've not even seen the biggest bondage thing from Eurovision in 2019 yet. Oh, I haven't. Wait till Ooh, you see that. I can't wait. Yeah. Some leather daddies. I'm I'm not asking for a man in a hamster wheel. That's <laughs> that's the big book props. But like like I say, they could have got, you know, a butter churners. <laughs> they could have done something like that. They they could have made it more a pastiche of modern Eurovision rather than Eurovision from like the sixties and seventies, which is what the song felt. Right. The lyrics felt like that. Like that ding dang dong i can't actually hum the song because i don't like it and it's not <laughs> memorable um i was like it's ding dang dong something 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 uk hun yeah it's not memorable enough for me and i pick up on songs and get you know we get hooked in i get earworms quite easily and i can't hum the song right this is not a good sign for it i mean the key change key change is a key sort of Euro- eurovision kind of trope yes now there is technically a key change in it but all they do, this I'm going to go into music theory nerdery, and I do apologise. So the uh, ding dang dong bit starts on the C sharp, and then they kind of repeat it and they vamp it up to a D sharp, and they vamp it again and they go up to an F. So each time it's only going up by one whole t- uh, tone. It's not going up. Um, it's only going up by one uh, full tone. So going from D sharp to um, C sharp to D to D sharp but without missing the D in the middle. Sorry. They could have made it more rousing by, rather than sort of just doing a vamp key change, they could have used like a pivot sort of chord to kind of really change a key. So rather than just going up to the next available key, you can use like a, a pivot chord, like maybe a minor chord, and really change a key. Or they could have changed into the relative minor, which in this case is A sharp minor. I'm not going to go into more details of it, because <laughs> that is not good podcasting. <laughs> But there's so much missed opportunity of doing something better and more interesting with the song. Uh, Leland, try again harder. Yeah. So I did not understand a whole lot of that. But what I took away from it (laughs) is that this song was too basic and that we needed to like have a little more oomph for it to be a true Eurovision quality song. It's so basic. It's challenging tea or coffee for her title. Okay, well, this was a bit of a disappointment, uh, although our expectations, I'm sure, were higher than most coming into this episode. But 
Um, after watching this and uh, leaving it on a bit of a down note, uh, maybe we could bring it back up again by um, inserting your wonderful interview with Ginny Lemon here. I think I think that's a perfect thing to do there. <laughs> Let's end on a high. <laughs> okay. Right then, so this is a Think About Eurovision podcast first. We have a legend and an icon coming to talk to us about Eurovision. Because this week, uh, this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, which we're recording before it airs, is the Eurovision Song Contest. So we've got a queen from uh, Series 2 of Drag Race UK, the legend and icon, that is Ginny Lemon. Well, I am Babs, it's me, Ginny Lemon, fancy it. I've got to say it, it's in my contract, I've got to say it. Obviously, obviously in your contract. Yeah, don't say it, people don't know who I am. No, no. Fancy <laughs> <laughs> Are you bored of saying that yet? No, never, Good. never. I'm, I'm sure people are bored of hearing it, but I'm not bored of saying it. I, I'm not bored <laughs> of hearing it. <laughs> so, sadly, as uh, we all know, you left the competition before this week's challenge. Did I? And before the lockdown break, you, you left in, leg- in a legendary way, may I say. <laughs> well, I only went to make a cup of tea, Babs, and when I came back, all the lights were off. <laughs> I don't know what really happened. Um, so if, if you'd made it to this point in the competition where you were competing in the Ruru Vision Song Contest episode, is there any Eurovision style style you would have wanted to emulate on stage? Well, <clears throat> I mean, I think, well, I think with most challenges, there would have been a walk in the park. But consider I've been a songwriter for... Uh, most of my life really now, so probably over 15 years. Um, obviously, I'm only 17, so since I was two, I've been writing. <laughs> so talented. Such a talented little baby. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank God there's no camera on. Um, so I've been writing songs for years and years and years, and I've been obsessed with Eurovision from a very young age, so I definitely would have smashed this challenge. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I uh, definitely would have smashed. And there's there's so many, it's, it's hard to narrow down which Eurovision act inspires me the most, you know? It's it's um, it's it's quite tricky. I mean, we're not, obviously the first one we've got to talk about is Verka Sajuchka from Ukraine. <gasps> I mean, let's, Verka! Let, let's be honest. I mean, Verka is really like, I met Simon Cowell and he said to me, um, no, it wasn't Simon Cowell, it was Louis Walsh. Um, we were having a chat after we'd done our bit of filming. And um, Louis said to me, he was like, oh, have you ever, because um, Louis did something with Eurovision, I can't, I can't remember. Um, and um, It wasn't worth remembering. <laughs> is, is Louis heavily involved in Europe? I don't know. I feel like he must have, he's <clears throat> Irish, he's involved in the music scene, he must have represented one, probably dusting the turkey. Must have done. But he said to me, it was like, Ginny, get off your knees and listen. <laughs> and listen to Verka Staduchka, the Ukrainian... Um, Eurovision uh, uh, entrance for that year, whatever year it was, a couple of years ago now. And honestly, I watched it and I was like, oh my God. I felt like, I felt like sending a, a cease and desist to myself. I was like, have I been ripping off Verka? And I didn't even know it. So thank God. Thank God I didn't go for silver as my colour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my co-host, um, Kim, who's Canadian, she is slowly learning about Eurovision as we do the podcast. So we're going back over previous years and talking about them. She still hasn't yeah. seen Verka. And I can't wait for 
uh, to be introduced. What? I'm saving that one. That one is being saved for a special occasion. Very special. Very, very special. Yeah, definitely. So for me, my earliest Eurovision memory is seeing Gina G perform Ooh just a little bit um, on GMTV in the morning. Broadcast from Alton Towers. <laughs> What's your earliest Eurovision memory? Oh, do you know what? As soon as you said that, I mean, because the Gina G hit was massive. Wasn't and it didn't it? even win. And that was. <laughs> Did it not win? No, I think it came second. Oh, my <laughs> justice, justice for Gina G. Um, when did that come out? That was must have been in the early. I 90s. think it was ninety six. I think it was ninety six contest. Yeah, because I mean, music really. I mean, music's always been around me, but I think definitely ninety six. I remember very like being musically. So the Gina G, wasn't it? Was it? I think I've. I think we're thinking about the same performance. You know, I think it's that one. Was it on like GMTV on one of those like morning shows? Yeah, that's what I remember about it. Like it was broadcast outdoors. Yeah, and it was. If I remember rightly, it was the sort of stage at uh, Alton Towers theme park. Yeah, that's. But I mean, we we used to watch it every year. But as a child, obviously, I didn't really know what was going on. I just thought it was amazing. Same. And that people were singing singing songs. You know, I'm not I'm not really one for competitions. I just enjoyed the performances. Yeah, I think we're um, about the same age. Both seventeen, obviously. So both seven, both seventeen, yeah. So I think probably our memories are very similar. <laughs> that sort of um, formative age. Yes, definitely, definitely. So I'd, I'd have to agree, Gina G. I think is the first time. Um, but then, but then I don't know because, like, from a very, very young age, the first musical obsession I remember having is ABBA. So obviously, I remember seeing at some point the the Waterloo performance. Um, and ABBA then infiltrated my life. It, I, it's, I literally remember it being the first sort of music that I was obsessed with. It was ABBA and Motown. So all of that sort of um, European pop yeah. from the 70s was really influential to me as a young child. Oh, that's good. I was going to mention about, ask you about your uh, Eurovision sort of, your music influences, sorry, because I've been enjoying your sort of music that you have on YouTube. So you've got your cover of Eleni Ferreira's Fuego. Absolute banging tune. I have, yes. And then, which is an absolute banging tune. And let's let's note the when um, Eleni did um, Lasha Tumbai. <gasps> Iconic dancing Lasha Tumbai. Yes. Oh my god, it was so so good. Like that was the crossover I needed in my life. I want to find that backing track. <laughs> when, when I knew she was going to, I was like, how is she going to do it justice? She's not going to camp enough. Oh, she was camping off. Oh, so, I mean, come on. I think that's because she was so livid she didn't win. I think so she came back to be like <laughs> another song that should have won because they both came second, didn't they? They did, yes. Yes, they did. See, I know some of the facts even this early in the yeah, morning. Yeah, not bad. Skills. You've got skills there. Um, and you've also got your original work you do with vocal looping, which sort of makes me think of Netta from the same year as um, Eleni. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a lot of my own musical influences um, are quite um, abstract when it comes to the sort of drag that I do. So I'm, I'm massively, massively, well, I can't even speak, massively obsessed with Tori Amos. Tori Amos, Kate Bush, Bjork, Enya, those are the sort of people my go-tos. Those are my absolute go-tos music-wise. But I honestly, as, as a musician and a songwriter, I love, I can take inspiration from so many genres. Of music like it's 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 incredible really and that's why Eurovision is so good because there's so many different one of my favorite things about it is when they really bring the flair of the country and the sound of the country to that traditional sound yeah. I think it's amazing so I think we should do it here so we should have the traditional sound of like pub louts <laughs> people like gobbling battered sausages after a night out I think that should that should definitely be the native sound that would be brilliant <laughs> that would be absolutely brilliant so those are my sort of you know 
musical which is very female um singer songwriter led yeah. sort of stuff so you know when we get a hint of that on um eurovision it's amazing because the australian from um the zero gravity i thought that was incredible Katie Miller I thought that was yes so amazing like the visuals are amazing it was a great eurovision song because it was so camp and poppy but it also had that like element of like emotional uh, rawness to it which we can all relate to you know I, I think that was a beautiful um a beautiful camp eurovision song it, to- it was a grower on me i didn't like it at first and it totally grew on me when i saw that performance with more than the sticks won me over it was perfect. It was like the perfect study of how to do Eurovision. That's what I like about Australia is that they're really trying to <laughs> earn their stripes because they're not, you know, they're not, it's, it's an old institution, Eurovision. So they're being like, no, you're going to have to earn your stripes before you win anything. Yes. But I mean, seriously, the past couple of years have been amazing. But I mean, that performance was very, very like uh, a study of how to do Eurovision. I thought it was incredible. Yeah. Um, so... In the revision of episode of Drag Race, um, obviously Please. you weren't there for the lip sync for your life. Well, I was having a lie down and just being just being iconic at home by this point. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> what Eurovision classic do you think Rue should get the bottom two queens to lip sync to? Oh, oh my God! I think it would have to be um, Yodel it. <laughs> Oh, I would live for that. I'd love to see that. Don't you think that would be good? That would be amazing. I think that would be a really, really good lip sync. It'd be a lot more exciting. And I think only I think Tia would do that one well. She'd put the comedy into the lip sync. <laughs> oh, that, I, I think that would be that would be really, really good. I think Yodelit would definitely be my my top choice. I reckon that um, is a brilliant. <laughs> maybe I would have bothered to lip sync then if it was Yodelit. <laughs> <laughs> that song is completely underrated as well. Yeah, I mean, it's so, I can't remember, was it, um, which country was it? Was it Poland? I want to say Bulgaria, I think, but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Oh, oh no, God, we're going to have to, we're going to have to look that up, yep. aren't we? That's, that's, that's the problem, is that we are, after all, stupid English people that live on this island. So we love talking about things, but we don't really know our facts. That's what I've learned from stupid English people. So Ru- we'll have to find out where Yodel it came from and then send them an apology. <laughs> it was Romania, 2017. Oh. Of course it was. Romania, of course. I watched it the other day, so that should have stuck in my head, and I've got loads of Romanian friends. So I want to say this to my Romanian friends. Um, Set your foot. Now... They'll know what it means. I mean it with love. Why didn't you put an explicit tag on this one? Uh, Maybe just bleep that out for the Romanian viewers. (laughs) (laughs) So... There's been a lot of talk recently about the Frock Destroyers representing the UK following the outpouring of love for Break Up Bye Bye. How would you feel about them being selected? Or would the, you want the BBC to send you to Eurovision? Bollocks. It should be me. <laughs> it should be me. If anyone's going to represent Eurovision, it should be me. Look at my back catalogue. Look at the songs that I'm writing. Look at the music I'm releasing, you know, right now. I'm dropping a new song tonight <gasps> to celebrate the... Um, uh, Rue, Rue Revision um, episode, and it's called I'm Over My Overdraft, and it's my <laughs> ode, to, ode to lockdown and how everyone's feeling now, and I wrote it with a with a slight um, Eurovision feel to it, so it should be me represented, so you listen to I'm Over My Overdraft, and you tell me if it should be me. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yes. Um, 
So going on to, well, sort of looking back to last year, because we'll never know who would have won Eurovision 2020. And there's going to be debate on it for years. So let's debate it now. Who would who was your personal winner for last year? Well, I think, um, as always, uh, justice for Maruv. <gasps> That's what I think. I think Maruv should have um, should have. And I know I think it was the year before, wasn't it? I think it should have been the siren song. That song slaps. I think it should have been re-entered this year and won. I mean, last year, whatever year it was, they're all blurring to one in lockdown. <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely justice for Maruv. Me and Mr. Lemon are, are huge. We're huge Ukrainian supporters, so we're massively, we always, all the acts I absolutely love. So I could talk about the Ukrainian entrance because I just think the music there is popping. So go A and shum. Have you heard that? I'm going to need to write that down. Say it again. Go A. So last year's act, they had Solovey last year. Uh-huh. They've got their, they've announced their song. It's called Shum. Shum. I will send you a link to it. Is this Ukraine? Is this That's Ukraine? a Ukrainian confirmed song. For oh, them. my God. Well, yeah, come on. You've got to send it me. I've been out of action at the moment. You know, I've just been on telly being a superstar myself. So I'm just catching up with all the cops. I will get that sent to you because it is, is it good? It's amazing. Honestly, it's my, so far, it's my favourite of all the revealed songs of 2021. <laughs> Oh wow! See Ukraine, do it I've again. Got, do it again. Okay. I've got to wait until the Icelandic song comes out though, because I'm in it. Because uh, you're in it. I mean, because um, ah. Frey, he sort of because they've relaxed the rules for this year. He's and they're letting people have backing vocals pre-recorded. He's put together yeah. a digital Eurovision choir. So he's got like about oh, fabulous. Hundreds of people have sent in like vocal tracks all sort of singing the same bits and he's putting it together so i'm going to be in a eurovision song that's amazing see when i imagined you when you said iceland i just thought right i can see you on the stage now all strapped up in your bondage gear <laughs> shaving head ball gagging you know that was that was last year that wasn't was it? yeah <laughs> was <in the> last <laughs> year. patrick munzigra <laughs> oh god i would i mean it's worth going to iceland just to meet them it was sexy don't you think it was sexy yeah uh, that was, that was <laughs> Admit they, it. my personal winner for 2019 as well uh, I yeah, because there was there was a few good hits. Obviously, the country that shall not be named. They had a good hit, um, and yeah. But you've got. I think I'd have to to pick Iceland over that. It's it's so confusing because I haven't. So when we say last year, we do mean is this twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen was the last Eurovision because twenty twenty was the last year, happen. and that was when um, that was when uh, oh god, who won? It was Netherlands. Arcade Netherlands. Duncan Lawrence. Netherlands. Yeah, with, beautiful song. So did they, has there been, because I know there wasn't one last year, has there been videos released? Has there been, um, like, So or, for last year, a lot of the, uh, all the songs were released, obviously. A few countries held, like, yeah. their own sort of versions of a song contest. Lovely. So I think Germany held, like, um, Kleiner Song Contest or something like that. And for them, Lithuania, the Roop won with On Fire. Okay. And then the other two... You need to send me a link. I've been out of the loop. Yeah. The other two were won by um, Iceland, uh, Daffy Freer, I can't pronounce his band name because it's in Icelandic and it's really long. Uh, but with um, Think About Things. Wouldn't it be good just, just, just to wake up and to be able to speak Icelandic? Wouldn't oh, that be, be amazing. amazing? And then I could move there and then live with the whales. Yeah, that would be... <laughs> that would be good. Where we belong, back in the sea with you. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. We can be swimming away there. <laughs> so the next question comes with a proviso. You're not allowed to choose Kate Bush. Who would be your dream UK rep for the UK Eurovision? Oh, well, I'm not going to, well, I can't say Kate Bush no. and I can't say myself. Because let's be honest, choosing yourself or Kate Bush, 
it would be unfair in all the other countries. Yes, yes, it's the same, isn't it? It's the same, right? Really. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this is hard. Let me think about this. There's so many talented singer-songwriters. Um, and the ones that spring into my mind are, are like the unheard. It's not people that I would say are necessarily current artists that are doing great in the UK. Um, mm, I want to answer this really well. Okay. Okay, then I, I know my answer. I know my answer. I think it's got to absolutely be my good friend, uh, Tammy Reynolds, also known as Mijit Bardo. Um, their singing voice is amazing. Their act is incredible. They are an undiscovered gem. And for some, for some reason, they're so iconically British. I think they should uh, represent. So I think people should go out there and check out Tammy Reynolds, Mijit Bardo, um, also known as... Uh, yeah, a good friend of mine and a fabulous performer. It's it's uh, they're the sort of performer that captivate me, and I take a lot to be captivated. So I think yeah, give given an an unknown voice a chance. I think sod off all of these X Factor rejects. Oh, I'm so <laughs> bored of them sending X Factor rejects. That's what best thing about them sending um, James Newman last year. He's a songwriter who has been in the background, but has like actual hits behind his name. So. Oh, was that who represented the UK? That was who was planned to represent the UK last year. We don't know who's going to be representing this year yet. So he could be, oh God, he could could be coming back. If it, if it ends up being bag of chips, and I can really say this is the dystopian future that we all, <laughs> you know, that we all prayed for. If bag of chips and the Frock Destroyers end up representing the UK, could you imagine? I would just, you know, it would almost make me proud to be British again, I think. <laughs> It would be iconic. Reclaim some of the cultural shame that I've got. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, thanks for your time. Um, finally, you said you've got another song coming out tonight. Is there an album planned to come out? There is. There is an album planned to come out. So over ever since um, ever since my dramatic departure from Raula Paula um, and the lockdown situation, the whole thing is, is is entwined for me. So I think it's always best to to channel any any energy really into something creative and to, to write songs. So I've written Ginny Lemon's Tonic, the new album coming out in a few months, but I should be releasing singles from that um, pretty much weekly until the album's released. And um, the first single was last week called I'm So Offended, which is basically about being outraged about uh, political situations and feeling stuck and isolated, which I believe we can all relate to at the moment. And uh, the next song, which I'm going to release tonight, um, uh, to coincide the episode of the revision, however you say it, um, is called I'm Over My Overdraft, which is being about absolutely skinned, being pressed, having no work, being stuck at home and knowing that we can't work. And hopefully people can all relate to it. And, and I can in, people can enjoy the message that I'm bringing for you know, New Year, New Me. It's the tonic we all needed. Amazing. And finally, uh, where can people find you on social media? So on social media, you can find me across all social media boards, except for TikTok, because I've got a life. <laughs> um, it's just all Ginny Lemon 69, my favourite number. Um, and you can find me on YouTube as well. And I should be releasing the album soon in the next couple of weeks, maybe months. And that'll all be available um, either on Bandcamp or Spotify or what's that Apple, whatever they call the Apple Music thing now. The Apple Music thing. All of that malarkey. Yeah, yeah. Just Google me, darling. I'm coming very infamous. 
<laughs> but I completely agree with you on TikTok. I've never felt so old when I tried to understand how to use TikTok. I was completely confused oh, by it. Nah, I mean, I mean, I hate technology, but I mean, TikTok, I'll, I'll leave it to the kids. Yeah. You know, I've got a sense of humour, so I don't really need a filter. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time there, Ginny. Oh, thank you, gorgeous. You have a lovely day. You too. Thanks so much. Wow, it was such a pleasure to speak to Ginny. Um, so I, I I love that so much. Um, obviously, um, this is only a one-off. We're not going to be interviewing drag queens every week on the podcast. Uh, next time, our main episode, we will be rewatching the 2010 Eurovision Song Contest. Now you're looking forward to that one. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Rewatching for you, but watching for the first time for me. And uh, this is going to be a good one. I can just feel it. So I'm really looking forward feel to it. Feel it in your bones. I, in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> well then, until next time. Bye. Bye. La 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 la